Hello, welcome back to the Sam and Matt Antics podcast. He's Matt. I'm Sam. He. You filthy pervert! And I'm not. And that's just the way it is. Filthy <laughs> fucking hell. It's like I'm a filthy pervert. Yes, you absolutely are. Would you like? Should I explain to the to the delightful listeners why you're a you're a filthy pervert? Or well, <laughs> would you like to own up to your your sins? No, no, you 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 crack on. <laughs> so tonight, Matt Dyer, on his way home from uh, from work, decided he's uh, going to treat himself to a curry, and that's that is an act I'm usually a hundred percent behind. That that is something I even I even applaud for, Matt Dyer. However. Uh, tonight you didn't actually get a curry when you said you were going to get a curry and wanted a curry and bought a curry. What you bought was a korma. And as we know, I have some strong feelings on a uh, korma. Um, and to make matters worse, you decided to send me a photo of it. I did. <laughs> I did. Yes, I did. And I, did. I was basically really winding you up. You captioned it saying, it's our friendship over. And I thought, I'm, I'm, you're, on, you're on the naughty step, but I'm not going to reply to that. To which you sent me this. I'm not even sorry. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> so, Matt Dyer, my former, yes. my former number one best friend. Do I need to replace you? Or so are you? Let me. Let going to apologise for well, rubbing I... it in my face and sending me a photo of that baby sick. I thought okay, you'd send well, me a photo of Ruby thrown up on a plate. First of all, who would you replace me with? Uh, James Corden? No. Yeah? As Smithy, though. Okay. And second of all, I will not apologise for... I just really fancied it, to be honest. I'm not going to lie what, to what, you. What, do you. Okay, you, you just... Break it down for me. Why did you okay, select that I could tonight? have I could have had a chicken tikka masala, but I'm going to mm. save myself for a chicken tikka masala because my friend uh, had an operation today. And so hopefully next week, at the end of next week, we will be meeting again and we will go for the sample, the delights of the Bengal spice in Hemel Hempstead. And then I will have a chicken tikka masala. But it sounds like then, you're bringing out a sob story to make you feel bad, to be honest, but okay. <laughs> But until then, <laughs> I just really fancied a curry, so I went for that. You didn't get a curry, to be honest. But anyway, anyway, so come on, let's let's we're on episode forty-five. We're approaching um, the big five-zero. We are indeed. It's very exciting. We have some plans underway that for what we will do for our big five-zero. Have we? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but until then, so come on. Yeah, how the devil have you been this week? Hot, Matt Dyer. Hot. Um, hi, hi. Yeah. Hi, hi. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I've been absolutely boiling. It's been horrible, hasn't it? But like we always say, when it gets to high temperatures in the UK, when just a we're not prepared for it, and b it's not the same heat as it is abroad. And I think it's because we get this wet, sticky heat, and abroad it's just that dry heat. And it's... Oh. So in in the UK, it hit temperatures of 40 degrees, which yeah. is double what we're used to at this time of the year, let's be honest. Yeah. And so 
where I live, it's on the south coast. And it's, I think because it's a little bit more coastal, it didn't get as bad as it was inland. So where like Matt lives, for example, sorry, where Matt Dyer lives. Thank that you. Felt weird. That felt weird. Yeah, um, it was. That hits, um, that hits about 40 degrees. Down here, we got to about 38, I think it was. But Matt Dyer, guess how hot it got in inside my flat when it was 30, I think it was about 36 outside. Oh, we'll go for a oh, 39.65. 42.7 degrees oh, Celsius. That's just That's just horrific, isn't it? Yeah. That's, that's awful. I've had three migraines since Sunday. It's Thursday. Not fun. Um, but tell you what was fun. I went and saw the lionesses at St. Mary's in Southampton. Oh, how was that? The Euros. That was brilliant. That was, that was absolutely incredible. That, that was my first ever international um, football match that I went and saw. And it was Lionesses against uh, Northern Ireland women. And it was just, oh, it was brilliant. They're doing really well, aren't they? They're doing they're doing really well. So we're through to the semi-final now. Yeah. Um, or as our American of... viewers would, would say, the semi-final. The semi-finals. But um, it's, the thing that they're doing is incredible because on two parts... They're changing the thought process of a nation because, number one, we don't really support female football um, or female soccer, but we get obviously really crazy about men's football. Um, But what they're doing is they're kind of changing that because more and more people are going to their games. They're selling out crowds. They're performing insanely well in front of... They sold out to 70 it was over 70,000 people went and saw the first game at Old I was going to say uh, that all the games I've watched so far even if it's not an England game uh the stadiums have been packed yeah it's, like, it's amazing really, to see. and what I said to you the other day is that it's not you know the men and the hooligans that no. you get at men's games it's families it's you know, it's it's really ho- quite wholesome to see like so many like families and young kids are all there, mm. and it's just a different style of football. Yeah, some you know some people might say it's not as entertaining. I disagree personally. Um, yeah. You know, fo- football is football, regardless of what gender's mm. playing it. Like, yeah. football is football. It's, it, we we all watching it because we have a love of football. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. I just, I've just loved watching every second, and as you say, they're doing so well. And yeah. uh, as a nation, we are very proud. Yeah, exactly. And I, when I went to the game, I, the whole atmosphere of the game was brilliant. People were singing. Um, oh, I, oh, story time! I haven't told you this before. So, we were sat like pretty much three rows from the back of the whole stadium. So we were really fairly high up, and. I sat, we sat down in our seat and there was like a gap on the um, end of the row, for like one seat free. Then there was yeah. a guy and then a woman and then I sat down, my old brother sat down. And as like, it's just in the start of the game and you hear like the band were in our stand and they were playing and playing and playing and playing the band were going. And we were all singing the songs around us. And me and my brother, we started singing along because it's like um, to the usual like England songs. And the woman that was sat next to me gets up and goes and sits on the other side of her husband. Because I was singing. Well, not just me, like the whole stand was singing. She just got up and moved. I was like, 
this is not the environment for you. What, what were you expecting? It's not yeah, going to be here having like, <laughs> like strawberries expect... and cream at Wimbledon. This isn't that. This is football. There is singing. Even the women, like, they're out on the pitch. We're trying to get the crowd riled up. I, I don't understand. I really don't. I also found it a little bit rude. I was like, what's wrong with me? But no, there's nothing wrong with me, my guy. Um, no. But anyway, so yeah, it was a really good atmosphere, really good experience. I can't wait to do it again. But enough about that, my guy. What everyone wants to know is, how the hell have you coped in this heat? I haven't. Uh, um, it's, I mean, yeah. So some people have called me out on this, um, but I actually took the Monday and Tuesday off. And I ran away from Leighton Buzzard because I knew it was going to be hot. I'd been t- saying for a good week and a half before it's going to be hot. And everyone was like, mm. nah, it won't be that hot. Well, who was right? That's all I'm saying. Matt Dyer, a.k.a. Michael Fish. If you're an older person, you'll get that reference. Um, I don't get that reference. So Do you not? I feel useful Michael now. Fish, Michael Fish was the weather presenter of the older generation. Did the older generation? I'm used to Carol Kirkwood, Thomas Schaffernatha, or whatever. His name Thomas Schaffernatha. <laughs> I love him. Have the you seen that, that video of when they? Yes. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, I ran away from Lake Buzzard and went to the family home in Becks Hill, mm. and. Um, I mean, it was still hot there, so I'm not going to lie. It was cooler than Leighton Buzzard. It was a, th- a cool 33 degrees. Yeah. Um, and Tuesday, I just spent the entire day, pretty much, or the entire afternoon, uh, in the garage, in, in the, the dark, garage. with the spiders, um, to just escape the heat. Um, we actually did get some, like, a, f- so a little bit of rain Tuesday evening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just went outside and stood outside for for a little bit, and it was quite emotional <laughs> because I was like, "Oh my god, rain! We haven't had rain in like four weeks now." Yeah, that's true. Um, we still haven't had a, like a proper downpour either. No, we had some rain here in Elbizzle last night, actually. Um, so mm. hopefully the reservoirs will be filling back up. But other hopefully than that, the grass will go green again. Well, hopefully, but you never know. Um, but, but other than that, so Grubber, I've uh, not really been up to much this week, to be fair. Just, oh, uh... <coughs> we forgot something, Matt Dyer. What did we forget? We did some non-podcast Sam Antics content. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we did. Uh, I'll allow you to yes. talk about it, Matt Dyer. So, many moons ago... Many uh, moons ago, Sam, Sam Grobo and I uh, used to play on our PlayStations with special guest Glenn and his fiance. And um, we we particularly had a love for the game Grand Theft Auto Five because there was uh, so now, much you could do on there, like doing different things, like heisting, racing, that kind of thing. Yeah, and over the last few years, well, the last year or so, um, we haven't really been doing much of that. And so I took my PlayStation with me while I was away in Bex of the Hill. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Sam and I reminisced on the past and did a heist in Grand Theft Auto V. So I said to Sam, why don't we record it and put it on the Sam Antics YouTube channel? And it can be Sam Antics yes. 
does. Yes. Um, so we did trial that. And we did the and... heist really well. We did it without like any faults. It was absolutely flawless, start to finish. It was brilliant. Yeah. Um, the only problem is that the audio quality wasn't great on my part, but that was because I was using some crappy old headphones. Um, so I think what we'll do is we'll we'll look into getting our audio levels good on mm-hmm. streaming. Yeah. And then we might start posting some Sama Antics does content to the Sama Antics podcast YouTube channel. Um, and if it goes really well, we might even set up a Twitch. But that well, might be way off. Let's not count our chickens just yet, Sekora, but um we'll see how far we get. Yeah. And um we'll keep you updated on our podcast, obviously. And now I'm going to pass over to the angriest man I know, Matt Dyer, please take it away. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Angry Man Reviews. I have got f- two and a half for you this week. So go on. Oh, very good. Crack on. Two of them are um, kind of railway related. Wouldn't expect Not anything less, matter. I am an expert, obviously. You are Francis. And um, the other one is not railway related, but it's not really an angry man views. But we'll see how we go. Anyway, so the first one, I think you might have said this before, Sakura. It's mm. people who trespass on the railway. Oh God, yeah. What in the name of life itself? Oh no. Why? Do, I just don't understand people. So I, when I went to mum's on friday last friday we came into hemel and then we sat there for a good 10 minutes and the conductor said oh yeah we can't go anywhere at the moment because there's somebody on uh somebody on the track in front of us and i'm like how could how can people be that like selfish and stupid it's as if they think that they can outrun a train like I, I'm pretty sure we've said this before as well. Like a train weighs about 300 tons, and it's probably doing about 90 miles an hour. If mm-hmm. that hits you, you are not surviving in any shape. In fact, you'll be various different shapes when that train hits you because you will be pieces everywhere. Yeah. Um, and it just causes so many delays and misery to people's lives and it costs the train operators so much money in delay repay and stuff like that and it's just like i just i just don't get it like yeah I know. do you have any words to <laughs> yeah I, I mean it, it's not just a little thing when you stop a train by like trespassing because there are people that like protest on train tracks and what they do is they stay hold trains for hours and hours on end so they have to wait for the police to arrive and then the police arrive and they remove the protesters people on the train get annoyed the people who are waiting for their train to arrive are annoyed the fact that you're halfway down a train track you are blocking the train track so nothing from behind this train can go anywhere and you've all of a sudden you've stopped an entire um, section of the railway because you're being 
ludicrous. Yeah, I mean the West Coast Main Line is not a. Um, it, it, I can't even think of the word. It, it, it's it's, it's not um, a quiet one. It's not a quiet line. Like it's one of the busiest, if not the busiest, railway line in the yeah. UK. It goes all the way up to Liverpool. Well, further so it goes Liverpool, goes up to Glasgow. So no, I was thinking you know, the standard, the standard one from like on like the bog standard trains that we'll get onto from Euston. They go up to Liverpool Lime Street, don't they? Yeah, they go. But they Northampton, they've got Birmingham New Street, uh, Liverpool Lime Street, Manchester Piccadilly, Carlisle, mm. Glasgow, Caledonian Sleeper goes as far as Fort William and Inverness. So. You know. Anyway, let's. Let, let, I'm not going to go into it because it, you know I think it's something that probably winds everybody up, uh, unless you're a complete and utter hoodlum. Um, the second one, Basically, so Robert, you yeah. don't know about this. Oh shoot! <laughs> also happened on Friday when I was going to my mum's. My right. this angry man review is dedicated to the woman who got her feet out on the train oh. out Ugh. of London. During rush hour on a Friday uh, night. No. Uh, oh, God. I no. was I was eating my McDonald's, Sir Grover. Oh, God, no. And I peered over to the woman that was immediately to my right on the other side of the window. And she just, she took her shoes off. And had her feet. On, she then put her feet on the chair, may I add. Which oh. winds me up. Fucking what on earth? He's wrong with people. It was a That's hot it. day. This was Friday before the heat wave properly kicked off, you know, over the weekend. And and Friday was a good 27 degrees. And yeah. she just got her feet out. Just uh, I was just completely... Oh. Could not believe it. Oh, don't I feel sick. I hate feet. Like, just full stop, I hate feet. But for someone to do that on a train... We've said this before. You don't take your shoes off on transport... You definitely don't if you're not wearing socks. Ugh. It just no. it, you're you're not at home. You shouldn't remove your feet. You should remove your feet. You shouldn't take your shoes off at all. You're not at home. Tell you like, what, I'd remove my fucking feet if she was doing that. I'll tell you that. Public public environment, especially a sweaty train as it is. It was quite busy because you know, it was like, I think at this point it was like six half six, coming out of London Victoria, so quite a big mainline station. Um, and the last thing you need is anyone, like guy, gal, non-binary pal, whipping out their hoofs, their sweaty hoofs. Fuck off! Don't do it. Oh, hideous, hideous, hideous. Um, I did continue to eat the rest of my McDonald's because I was really hungry and I did enjoy it. But okay, you know, I'm not anti-feet. Like, where'd you get the McDonald's from? I don't have a foot fetish, but you know, I'm not. I don't look at feet and go, "Oh, it's so disgusting." Like, you know, it's just part of the human body. Just, I think, I, I think I've got a little bit of a foot phobia type thing. I think. Really? Yeah, I don't like feet. It really bothers. I really don't like it. It really bothers me. Like some of the girls I've been with have been no, no not sexually. Don't don't get this twist. Don't get this twist. Get your mind out the gutter. I didn't but just say generally that, like. I'm talking to the listeners. Um, just oh. some of the girls that I've been with have like tried to put their like is is like naked feet. Do you know what I mean? Like feet not in socks on me, and I yeah. it freaks me out. It freaks me the fuck out. 
I can't do it. it no. Just, if anyone I, asks yeah. me for like a foot massage, just fuck off. It's not happening. Well, there we oh, go. But... Ladies, if you're listening and um, you, you're ever going to get with Sir Grubber for nighttime activities, don't shove your feet in his face. He will throw up. I don't. I will throw you off the bed. I have done it before. I will do it again. Anyway, uh, moving what's on. What's the next one? Third and final one for you. Now, Sir Grubber, you may remember that last week... I said that somebody had liked me on Hinge. Oh, I was going to ask you about this. I've had questions. I've had questions about this. One follow-up. Well, Sakura, before you before you ask these questions, this week's Angry Man review is the Hinge woman that never replied. That's right. Oh. We did a live what's it on this podcast where I did the Sam Cropper opener. She did not reply. And I just think... And the opener's trying to test it. No, it's not that. I just, just think... I, it yeah. just winds me up. It doesn't matter whether you're a male or female. This applies to both... This applies to all genders, I should say. Mm. Um, if you've liked a photo of somebody because you potentially like them, yeah. and, you know, albeit, I'll admit, I was like two days later, I then replied. But that's because I had a lot going on and the heat really... Does not do me justify well. It. No, I then replied, but she then ignored it. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, well, what was the point? Like, unless she's dead, but you know, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> you know. Morbid, but... but you see my point. Like, what is the point? Yeah. No, I know. I know. It happens so so often that you will. Not that you'll wait and then talk to someone, but it happens so often that you'll like be talking to someone and then all of a sudden they'll go to sleep and they'll wake up the next day and just not reply to you. Like you'll be having really good conversation with them and then they'll close their eyes and forget you ever, ever existed when they wake up. It really annoys me. And also, Hinge, you only get five likes a day on Hinge. So you have to be careful who you like and who you don't like. She used you know that f- one of her five likes Sorry, on you and then ignored you. The audacity. Oh. Yeah. Well, do you know the funniest thing as well? Is the photo she liked of me mm. was me playing the piano. So my face wasn't even in that picture because I was obviously facing the piano. Yeah. So she wasn't even liking a picture of my face. <laughs> it's like, I'm really attracted to the back of your face. Really like the way you touch those ivories. Oof. <laughs> So oh, there we go, Superbot. Those are of people. People. Those are my angry man reviews for this week. Uh, any any that you disagree with? No, I agree with all of them. But the hoof thing really bothered me. Uh, you didn't answer my question though, because I don't think you heard it. But uh, what did you? Where did you get McDonald's from? And what did you get? I well, there's two McDonald's at Victoria. Um, mm. So. I got a five-piece chicken select meal Oof. with a bottle of water. It was bloody awesome. And I got, I got a double cheeseburger, plain, obviously. And I got another double cheeseburger. I did, did not do the pat. No, Why I did not? not do the pat. You have to do the pat. Because that, that is especially pat, reserved for You put it in one hand and you just... You, you just bosh and bosh and then you enjoy it. It's gorgeous, that. 
and I definitely didn't do that to my tiramisu McFlurry. Oh, that I also had. That was excellent. They are ve- honestly one of the best McFlurries they've done. Is this tiramisu one? It was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. It's time for what we're all here for, obviously. And um, we're going to go back to Cabin Fever in the third part of our story. And to do that, we've obviously got to go over to our friend Sokrubber in our section. Story time with Sam. I gather around, everyone. We're in part three, Matt Dyer. Do we, do we want to do a little recap or are we okay? Matt Dyer, I'm asking you this question. Uh, I'm pretty familiar with what happened last time, and if the listeners are not, they can go back and listen to episode 44 Excellent. to find out what happened. So I think we should just crack straight on. Let's crack the fuck on. Right. Also, a little um, note to Benny. Uh, I can't remember what uh, accents I did for who, so we're just going to ignore that and just crack on. Here we go. It was growing light outside the cabin. I hadn't slept, and I didn't need to. No hunger. No need to use the bathroom. I stared at the time on my laptop, realising it was stuck on 5pm of the day my wife and I arrived at the cabin. If I was to guess, that was around the same time we saw the man without a tongue. I shut the laptop and put it away. I was now armed with information, but very little else. My mind hummed with the realisation that fake Officer Bullock was actually the spirit of Henry Brywood, a very dangerous man I helped put behind bars. The fact that he was just one of hundreds I testified against chilled me to the bone. How many had ended their lives in jail cells or, or died in prison fights? Were there nefarious manifestations also dwelling in the woods outside Fever Cabin, just waiting for me to come out? Both of Brerwood's disguised appearances made sense now. On the first day, he had tried to lead me away to a non-existent patrol car, and on the second, he had hoped I would chase him out of the cabin, demanding to know where he had taken Camilla. He definitely wanted me out in those woods. I wasn't sure if it was really Camilla I heard screaming in the woods, or yet another ploy. In any case... I didn't have time for theories. What I needed to do was find my wife. And to do this, I had to leave the safety of the cabin and face whoever or whatever was make waiting for me in those woods. I did something then that I can't quite explain. A purely intuitive action performed with no real thought behind it. I went over to Uncle Johnny's old closet which Camilla had not yet utilised, and began sorting through my uncle's clothes. His 80-year-old self was a much heavier man with a simpler sense of fashion than the cerebral uncle, Johnny, from the woods, a.k.a. Hagrid. It took me a while to find some of his older things, but finally, I found it. 
the worn patchy denim jacket my uncle had worn during the summers I'd come to stay with him. He always put it on when going out into the woods, even on the hottest days. The denim had grown soft over the years, and I was careful to put the jacket on without ripping it. I walked over to the mirror and noticed a faint purple glow radiating from the fabric. Somehow, that made a se- that made sense in this bizarre other world. I couldn't stay in my, sta- in my safe spot. Grass tongue twister. I couldn't stay in my safe spot, but I could bring a totem with me when I went looking for Camilla. I scavenged the cabin for more useful supplies or, or weapons, finding one of my uncle's rusty old folding knives and a wind-up flashlight. I was really hoping to find a compass, but there were not any in sight. Perhaps things like time and direction just didn't matter here. Maybe if you just walked long enough and far enough, you got where you needed to go. With these thoughts in my mind, I stepped out into the bright daylight. I worked on winding the flashlight as I walked towards the woods. If time kept hopping around the way it had before, nightfall would come sooner rather than later. I held my breath upon crossing the threshold of the forest, half expecting to see something or someone lurking about. Maybe more of my childhood phobias would pop up, I thought, shuddering at the thought of a murderous clown stalking me through the woods. But nothing, (laughs) but nothing of the sort happened. The woods were as I'd always known them as a boy, tall, dark and mysterious. The sounds of the fluttering leaves and birds chirping lulled my anxieties, but only a little. As I walked on, my thoughts were on the Briarwood case from two years ago. I would never forget the violent jolt of sitting down at my desk and seeing Camilla's face staring back at me from the fat case file on my desk. The raw stab of fear still burns my memory. The terrifying flutter of, what if? The girl in the photo had not been my wife, but a local student by the name of Katie Reader, a beautiful, talented young woman who was just finishing up a degree in wildlife conservation when she first went missing from the campus, not far from these woods. Local news had lapped up the story, and I felt uneasy seeing Katie's pictures on my newsfeed during those first couple of weeks she went missing. The resemblance was uncanny. The same light, wavy hair as Camilla's, those piercing blue eyes, always slightly doe-eyed with wonder, faint crow's feet hinting at a life spent smiling and laughing. It made me sick when they discovered Katie's nude, mutilated body hoisted up in a tree with cheap handcuffs, a blood-stained machete wedged into the patch of the trunk below her dangling feet. Katie was the second victim to be disposed of in this signature manner, and the behavioural science guys were brought in to draft a profile of the unsub. As always, There were so many creeps that fit that bill. The police felt overwhelmed trying to figure out exactly which prior sex offender, stalker or jealous ex actually committed the crime. They narrowed it down to three guys 
and Henry Braywood was the last of the interviews. I was positive he could be the perpetrator the moment I saw him. The other two men seemed timid, fidgety and ultimately ashamed of the prior conviction convictions that had landed them on the suspect list. But Brayward was the essence of cool as he talked about himself with unrestrained delight. After learning all I could about his background, domineering mother, absentee father figure, problems maintaining a healthy relationship with women, etc., I got him talking about the crimes. Have you been following the machete killer case? I asked him in my most dismissive tone. I needed Braywood to think I was just going through the motions, to feel slighted by my at my ambivalence to his performance as a killer. I baited the very core of his narcissism, secretly registering every twitch and every stir of body language. Well, it's hard to miss it. It's on the news and everything. Nothing like that ever happens around here, he said, trying to read my face. Those poor girls, you know. Mm, I nodded, taking out my phone, pretending to answer a text. Don't know why they brought me in here, though. Braywood offered, grow, growing visibly tense. He had enjoyed the first half of the interview more. Talking about his background had made him feel important. Oh, you, you know, routine checkup stuff, I replied, my eyes still glued to the phone. It's very gruesome, slitting their fruits like that and all, he half mumbled to himself. After a few more questions, I'd bid Henry Braywood goodbye allowing the interrogation team to take over. They got plenty of useful information out of him, but that wasn't my job. Popular books and movies have always depicted my career as this all-encompassing obsession with serial killers, but in truth, I was mostly just an analyst. I learned everything I could about the unsub, running it through an internal database of a hundred similar cases. When I showed up in court for the Briarwood case, they asked me only one question. Did the defendant fit the profile? Henry Braywood fit the profile to a T. And two years later, I let the court know it. Sorry, two years ago, I let the court know it. I was about, I know. I was about to say, hang on. That was, they let him go for two years and then he finally let him know. <laughs> A couple of days after the conviction, he hung himself in his prison cell. Oh. All's well that ends well. <laughs> and thus concludes the end of the Sandman's <laughs> podcast. Predictably, the woods grew darker the further I walked. As I squeezed through a narrow path of thicket of birches, all around me the sounds of nature began to die down. Soon... I was walking in silence, listening to my hammering heart and uneven footfall. I took this to mean that I was getting far enough from my safe spot for enemies to start trying their luck, and I slowed my pace to a halt in a small clearing. Camilla, I called into the forest, flinching at the haunting echo that ran through the stillness. Camilla, I cried out again, louder this time. Why did you betray me? 
A voice whispered in my ear as I jumped forward, spinning around to see my wife's naked corpse staring at me with tears in her eyes. Cam- Camilla. Oh, my Christ. I gasped. <laughs> oh, God, no. No, no, no. I cried, gripping my head at the sight of my wife's swollen, decomposing flesh. She was all black and blue now, her limbs covered in bruises and cuts, a pair of handcuffs hanging off her left wrist. There was a deep, horizontal gash in her throat with streaks of of dried blood running down her chest and stomach. (laughs) Stop! Oh my god, I can't cope! (laughs) I, I cannot rest, she said. Because of you, I cannot rest. After a double take, I realised it wasn't actually my wife. The resemblance was striking, sure, but as the initial shock wore off, I was able to spot the slight difference in chin, nose length and ear shape. The eyes, though, those deep pools of sky were next to identical. I was about to respond when another voice whispered in my ear, We cannot rest. Because of you, we are trapped here. Horrified, I staggered back to see another light-haired dead woman beside me. She was beaten so badly that both her eyes were swollen shut. And we want rest, a new voice, a different dead girl. I had stepped into the clearing, her new body, a canvas splattered with torture and pain. More and more deceased women stepped out of the woods, chanting variations of It's your fault and let us rest at me. A dozen corpses that looked like my missing wife encircled me. Some were in the earliest stages of decomposition, others had already lost parts of their skin, and one victim was almost entirely skeletal, with maggots swarming in the crevices of her skull. Oh, <laughs> oh my lord! This is horrific! Yep. Yeah. The victims... Of Henry Braywood. Katie Reader, I croaked, turning back to the first girl who continued staring at me with Camilla's sad blue eyes. I, I, I'm, I'm so sorry. Katie's expression was vacant as she approached me, bringing her hands up to my neck, clasping it gently. The other victims slowly followed suit, and soon. I was completely enveloped by dead women gripping at my neck, shoulders and wrists. Their touch was cold and devastating. I felt all of it then. Every single one of their death experiences. The shock, the horror, the desperate will to survive their imminent deaths. The stabbing pain of every bruise, every cut. Their thoughts were the worst. My mind spun with flashes of mothers, fathers, friends and pets. Katie's last dying thought had been that she had not called her mother enough. He he drugged me and took me to a shed not far from here, Katie spoke, her broken gaze locked onto mine. He waited for me to wake up before he started. I was so scared. Oh God. I swallowed as countless ice fingers strengthened their grasp on me. One of the girls began tugging on the sleeves of Uncle Johnny's old jacket I knew I had to resist, push them away, but I couldn't tear my eyes away from Katie. She moved in close enough for me to smell the earthly stench of death on her breath. Oh, God, Jesus. 
He never said a word. I cried, I screamed, and I cursed and tried to kick at him, but the restraints were too tight. He then brought out knives and I fell silent. More hands were pulling at my jacket now, desperately trying to claw it off my back. I held onto it with both hands, elbowing some of the victims who had begun moaning as they drew closer. Suddenly, Katie's grip on my throat tightened, and a menacing smile contorting her features. You're the reason we're trapped here, reliving the horrors of these woods every single day. We cannot sleep, we cannot rest. We're trapped here living our lives, living our nightmares, beaten and killed, and being hung from trees over and over and over. I tried to say something, but Katie's chokehold was tighter than a noose. For a second time since arriving at Fever Cabin, I was dying from asphyxiation. I had to act fast. I pulled my uncle's old folding knife from my pocket, closing my eyes before I jabbed it inside Katie's stomach. I opened them once she loosened her hold on my neck. It was the leeches all over again. The moment the blade pierced the skin, the apparition began screaming as purple flames enveloped her body. I watched the once beautiful face of Katie Reader turn into charcoal. The other corpses kept coming, clawing at my neck. Their eyes were feral, faces contorted, bodies capable of remarkable strength. I went into a panicked frenzy and slashing the knife left, right in an attempt to defend myself. The screeches were deafening as one by one the victims of Henry Brailwood lunged at me, impaling themselves on the knife blade and combusting into purple flames. When the last of them were burnt up, I fell to the ground, my body convulsing in sobs. As I ran my hands through Katie's pile of ashes, I had not, I had not wanted to inflict any more pain on those girls. Every one, of, every one of them, a life stolen away. It's good to see you actually have a conscience. Brywood stepped into the clearing. He was no longer wearing the ludicrous disguise. He was dressed simply in a grey sweater and jeans. You're a fucking monster! I screamed at him, jumping to my feet with my knife at the ready. That knife won't do much against me, Paul. I'm dead already, remember? He laughed. I'm not even here to hurt you. I just need you to understand some things. What have you done with Camilla? I demanded, desperate for some form of hint about my wife's whereabouts. <laughs> Funny you should mention her. Braywood grinned, reaching, uh, sorry, raising a patch of legal pad pages. Ran into her earlier. She asked me to pass these along. He walked up to me, placed the pages in my hand. You should probably go back into the cabin now, Paul. You don't want to try your luck in these parts twice in one night. What do you want from me? I cried in exasperation at Henry Brailwood. He turned and walked away. Look over my case again, he replied, throwing a final glance. You talked to me for 20 minutes, Paul. Is that really long enough to get to know somebody? With that, Brailwood disappeared into the woods. I considered chasing after him, but for the first time since 
Sleeping two nights ago, I felt exhausted. Was there a hidden logic behind this as well? Did I need to be near the cabin to recharge? Uncle Johnny's jacket glowed brightly as the night descended on the silent woods. I sat down on a tree stump in the clearing, trying to just gather my thoughts. Shadows creaked the forest floor as tree branches swayed in the silent wind. With bated breath, I waited for whatever came next. I would face a thousand corpses and swim in a pool of leeches if it meant I could get my wife back. Camilla. I looked down at my shaking fists to see the clench of sheets of paper Briarwood had given me. The torch was lying on the ground not far from my feet. Picking it up, I wound the lever and turned it on. Relief hit me like a shower, like a rain shower after a hot summer's day. It was a letter in Camilla's handwriting. She's alive, I whispered to the dead of night, holding the papers to my chest. No way, my oh, drop time. <laughs> oh, for God's sake! <laughs> oh, it's getting oh, good, Sigour. Yeah, it's getting good. You did not like the gruesome details. Oh, honestly, it's fucking horrific, <laughs> isn't it? Oh, not a fan. But tune in next week for part four of how Diva Cabin. Is that, how many parts are there? Sigour? There are five. The there one? are five parts. There are five. Yeah, there are five. Yeah. Oh, it's all kicking off. And that's what we've got time for this week. Well, it's not so good. I'm going to stop you there. Oh, it's uh, it's end of podcast song time in a dramatic reading form. Let's see if I can pick this one up straight away again. Okay. Are you ready? I uh, you crack on sausage. When you were here before, couldn't look you in the eye. You're just like an angel. Your skin makes me cry. You float like a feather in a beautiful world. I wish I was special. You're so fucking special. But I'm a creep. I'm a weirdo. What the hell am I doing here? I don't belong here. Did you get that one, Sigura? Yes, that was Creep by Police, is it? No, it's, it is Creep, but it's by oh. Radiohead. Ah, uh, Radiohead, not Police. I was thinking of this, the Police Stalker song. <laughs> Sorry. Fair enough. But you didn't do it properly. You didn't do weird o o o. No, well, it's a dramatic reading, Segura, so I can uh, yes. read it how I would like to. Yes. Uh, but let's not get bogged down with how I read stories, mm. uh, or songs even. You read the stories. Right. Um, that is all we've got time for, Segura. Duh. And if a week is too long for our listeners to wait for Sam Antic's content, how can they get their fix? They can go to our... Insta page, which is at Samama Antics, they can go to our TikTok page, which is at Samama Antics, they can go to our Facebook page, which is the Samama Antics podcast, or 
you can visit us. No, you can't visit us, but you can send us an email to soundanticspodcast at gmail.com. Oh, and Matt Dyer, you can even look us up on Acast because we are Acast content creators. Of course. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, we are. Indeed, we are. But all that's left to say is we'll chat to you next week. Thank <laughs> you.